Welcome to Table Talk, a place for honest conversations and getting to meet friends. Betsy Thompson. So excited to be here with Mike Schumacher once again. So thankful. You invited me back. And listen, we're going to kind of make it a regular thing (laughs) because there's so many things we could talk about and it's hard to squish them all into one. So I was like, Mike, just start coming back and let's just talk about things. And so I'm so thankful you're willing to do this. Um, Y'all, yesterday was Valentine's Day. When you're watching this, listening to it, whenever it releases yesterday was valentine's day super fun day it's all over it's in all the stores it's at the drive-thrus out in the parking lots where you don't actually have to go in the store you know to do all the things we see it everywhere and there is this very worldly view of valentine's day should be this thing Mm -hmm. and at the same time whether you're in a relationship not in a relationship with your kids with a spouse with a boyfriend whatever there is also this other super weighty thing that i think valentine's day brings and that's loneliness yeah and so i asked mike i said hey let's just talk about loneliness yeah because we know people feel it all the time yeah it's a real deal you did you had some statistics of even of just so many people would, if you asked them, they would say, yeah, I'm lonely. Absolutely, Betsy. You know, what I do most every day is meet with people, mostly yeah. Christians and oftentimes individuals, but a lot of couples even. Mm-hmm. And you can be very lonely even in the midst of relationship. Absolutely. Even in the midst of a marriage. Mm-hmm. You can sit in a big group, in a meeting, or actually in a church. That's right. Of a thousand people. Walk in every Sunday morning and, and yet, feel completely alone. Even though alone. you're around people. Yeah. It's kind of what's called a crowded loneliness. Mm-hmm. So loneliness, when you asked me to think about yeah. it, talk about loneliness, I thought, well, that's pretty simple. Everybody can relate to that, but it's actually really it's complicated. Yeah. There are lots of factors. There's and so, so much. it's kind of really cool to kind of talk yeah, about it. Yeah, I'm excited that we're going to get to kind of dive into it because I think, and we'll talk about this a little bit, but there is especially a stigma, I think, for Christians that you, we shouldn't be lonely. Yeah. But then we've talked about that before. There's lots of stigmas for mental health and emotional yeah. issues for Christians that we're not supposed to have any of those. And that's one of the reasons Mike's coming on, because we're going to break those and really say, y'all, it's, even as a believer, you don't need to feel guilty that you struggle. Absolutely. You know, but, but I'm glad you said that and even introduced yeah. this whole topic that way. Betsy, that's, that's, the, that's really the nature of what I do here at Sagemont yeah. as the director of the Counseling Center and a counselor myself who's dealing with hurting mm-hmm. people, struggling mm-hmm. people, mm-hmm. almost all of whom are Christians. Yeah. And trying to communicate to our church and to the church at large that if you're a regular person and you're hurting, you're struggling, you're wounded, you're, you're dealing with stuff in mm-hmm. our lives, you're not the weird one. You're actually Absolutely. you're actually really fairly normal, 100%. and trying to communicate to people that it's okay to be honest about that mm-hmm. and to even seek help when you need when you yes. need it. Yes, that, yes, that's, that's what that's what the counseling yeah. ministry is all about. It's really what drives what God, I think, wants me to do. Mm-hmm. And so this is part of it, it, just to be able to talk about yes. this kind of, and make it okay. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, okay, just basic definition of loneliness you kind of co- gave us is just a state of distress or discomfort that results when one person perceives a gap between one's desires of social connection and actual experience. Yeah, I think I think the way God has wired us, the way he's designed us as humans, he's built us for connection, for mm-hmm. relationship. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of us 
are in a certain amount of distress because there's a breakdown. There's a lack of connection. There's a lack of relationship. Mm-hmm. There's a lack of emotional intimacy. Yeah. I, and so we see this all around us. And so that's kind of what we're going to talk about yeah, today. Absolutely. Yeah. And I know, I think probably even just in our culture right now, um, tons of people live alone. Yeah. We tons of people live completely, you know, you know I read by the, themselves. I read that thirty percent more people live alone than than used to be a I'm few sure. years ago. A lot yes. more people will live alone. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I know. I had one. My second daughter went off after she graduated and was working and lived alone for about six months, and she was like, "I have to have a roommate." Yeah. I, I, ha- I need. She said, "I see people all the time, but it's different." You know, just that it. I think there's a huge part. So we have a ton of people that live alone. Yeah. We are still <laughs> interesting four years later coming off of COVID. Yes, that's a factor. And the isolation that we were told to do and then coming back from that. Yeah. And um, and then, of course, social media and just the Internet and the World Wide Web and all the things. That's fascinating to kind of explore yeah. as part of the cultural changes that I think in some ways it's complicated, have even uh, facilitated, even even made more prominent mm-hmm. loneliness. It's interesting as I was looking at some of the stats, just thinking through this is yeah. that young people are the loneliest people that are reporting a sense of loneliness and it mm-hmm. peaks at 19. These are the people who are growing up in this uh, media saturated, social media saturated culture. And yet they say they're the most lonely. Yeah. I was talking to Jason and he was saying a stat I didn't, I didn't read, but it's so relevant that 65% of men Mm. say that they struggle with loneliness. Sure. Uh, so it's it's a big issue, yeah. even within the church. That, Absolutely. That's the key, I, I, that that even Christian people who attend church report the same degree of loneliness. Mm-hmm. There's something fascinating about that, mm-hmm. disturbing about that. Sure. But, but it's good that we can, again, kind of talk about yeah. that. And I think probably, I know one reason, I, when I find myself starting to feel lonely, I can stop and look and go, okay, what's, what am I doing? And a huge part of it we t- you talk about up here is uh, isolating. Yeah. Getting physically, getting alone. But then also it's even like if I'm here at church every Sunday, I can still isolate in a giant room. That's so true. I, I think that happens, particularly. I mean, there's even some vulnerabilities of it. The bigger the room, yes. the more people. Yep. It's a wonderful thing. We want to grow uh, our church certainly, and and we want to see those big numbers, and and it's fa- and it's awesome. Yeah, it's that fun we, that we're experiencing right. that mm-hmm. that kind of growth. Wonderful thing. One of the vulnerabilities of that is, if you're an individual in that big group, if you're not in a more intimate kind of a setting mm-hmm. within the big group, you can get lost. Absolutely, you can be totally alone. Yeah. In that in that big group, I, I I have experienced that. I think sure. probably all have, yeah. whether it's church or some other kind of a group where you're around all kinds of people mm-hmm. in the room, and yet you're feeling very much all yeah. alone. That's a very common phenomenon. Yeah. Do you think there's something to do with that, where it is us putting up walls because we've been hurt, or we're just not sure if we trust the person I'm talking to, or the or the place, whatever it may be. I've built these walls that are isolating me, but I'm the one that's built them? 
I think that's a part of it, Betsy. That's I think that's very insightful. I think part of the nature of being humans and 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 going through life is that we all tend to put up certain kinds of walls to protect yeah. ourselves. Um, and some so we, health, some healthy boundaries, right? Yeah, some boundaries are very healthy. Absolutely, it's very appropriate. Maybe someday we'll talk about just the yeah. appropriateness of boundaries when you're around people who might hurt you. Right. That, that's a very yes. that's a very appropriate thing to do. So yes, some of that is I think self-directed in that we tend to yeah. protect and isolate. I think we're doing more of that than ever. Me too. Uh, I think we're having a harder time as a culture, young people, but as a culture, uh, uh, experiencing emotional intimacy. Mm. I think it's it's hard. It's it's hard in a marriage for a lot of us, sure. you know, to deal with letting down walls, mm-hmm. barriers, engaging with people on a deeper level, a more mm-hmm. honest, a more sincere, a lot of that shame. Yeah. A lot of that's fear. Yes. And so a lot of, I mean, I, 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 I kind of specialize in marriage counseling. And so I'm dealing with couples all the time right. who come in um, to see me and at, at the core of the issues often are a breakdown of of relationship of connection right and so it's it's so it's so important yeah. and I think if you're struggling with that it's not easy to actually address it and deal with it and move past it yeah and so then that in turn probably just perpetuates your loneliness because you're like that's gonna be really hard so I'm just gonna hang out over here yeah. a little bit longer and not actually want to deal with the issues. Yeah, I think you're right. And I, I think you add to that what you alluded to a few minutes ago is that even within a Christian culture, we sometimes as Christians, we have a hard time admitting our struggles, mm-hmm. our loneliness, uh, our breakdowns, because I think there's this implied message that if you're a Christian, you got it all together. Right. And so... I think you sit in a room on a Sunday morning of, you know, however many hundreds and hundreds of people and there are lots of hurting people. But yeah. but you got to put on that mask. You got to act like you've got it all together. Right. And frankly, probably very few of us have it close to all together. Absolutely. <laughs> so so we, we tend to do some of our own hiding, yes. so to speak. Yeah. Uh, for well, all, I think about, you know, reasons. growing up, you know, what did you wear to church? You wore your Sunday best. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's what you had to, you know, you put on your Sunday best. And I think so often now it might not be the clothes we wear, you know, necessarily, but it sure is the facade we put on of, okay, I can't let people know what I'm struggling with. I can't. And I, does that transfer over to what we think about Jesus that Mm. I have to do that with him? Like, where does that, where we take human characteristics and put those on the Lord? That's a good question. Maybe that does happen sometimes. Even our sense of shame, our embarrassment, our sense of failure, Obviously, the Lord is is a God of grace yes. and, and receives us, loves us despite our struggles yeah. and walks with us through those struggles. Absolutely. And I, I, I really admire people who, whether they come to counseling or they just in, uh, in other forums, can just be honest about we all have stuff. We all have none of us are have arrived none Absolutely. of us are sanctified right. we all have a certain amount of baggage uh, that God's working on yep. and I, I really appreciate people who go to support groups or or go to various mm-hmm. ministries or come to counseling who can say by virtue of being here right. I'm acknowledging I'm a normal person right. who has struggles That's we, right. we want to breed that culture with Pastor Levi does an awesome job mm-hmm. of that. And our, our culture of Sagemont is really designed by things like this, where we take seriously giving permission to people 
you don't have it all together right. and you don't have to have it all together. Right. And so, yeah. yeah, that's why this topic is important. Yeah. And I, would you say that there are very varying levels of loneliness Yeah. where there is a, um, I feel lonely today. Yes. Versus I feel so lonely. I don't even know that I want to speak to anybody or leave the house or like I'm, I mean, there's varying levels of how serious it is. I think that's another really good point. Uh, loneliness is one is not one thing. There are different levels. Some loneliness. I, I think, I think by virtue of being human, we all experience some loneliness. Yes. I, I just think that's yes. true. Absolutely. For most of us, unless mm -hmm. we're just oblivious. Right. And I think because uh, we are living in a fallen world where we are yeah. created for heaven, where we will not feel lonely anymore. And again, you know, we said, I wrote it down. Uh, John 16, says, you will have trouble. Jesus told us you will have trouble. And so living here, we are fooling ourselves if we think, if I come to know Jesus, I'm done. Everything's awesome. Rainbows and flowers forever. Like, that's not truth. Yeah. But... Some people push it as truth. Yeah, I, I mentioned to you um, a very important thing I learned and read about that I would love for people to know about if you if you are concerned about this at all is a is a guy named named J.I. Packer who wrote a book Knowing God. It's been around for a long time. It was very influential mm -hmm. in my spiritual growth. Uh, there's a there's a chapter in that book called These Inward Trials, and Packer makes this I think profound statement that, that applies to what you're saying. He says, essentially, I'm paraphrasing, he says, even if you mean well, or we mean well, our preachers mean well, our teachers mean well, by over-promising mm. the benefits of coming to Christ, even because we want to evangelize people and we mm. want to kind of share the gospel, we want to sell the gospel, if you overemphasize and over-promise he says, he uses the word, and it, it has always resonated with me. He says that's cruel, actually. I would agree. Because it's over-promising. Mm -hmm. And so people, normal people, they come to Christ sometimes, and they make the assumption that because now I'm a believer, life will go well, family go, will go well, mm -hmm. bad things won't happen. Right. That is kind of an over-promising. And, and I see so many people who, who are in the faith, who are sincere believers, who are in struggle. Families are struggling. Mm -hmm. There are all kinds of issues. And, and, and now they have to deal with the shame. Because Absolutely. I was told that everything would go well if I'm a believer. Mm -hmm. Everything would be, kind of, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but that's the subtle message. Yeah. I would say, in, in a way, it's, it's, it's a form of the prosperity gospel, it frankly. Is. It's it a is. kind of an emotional prosperity gospel. Mm -hmm. We have to be careful about yeah. that. You know, when we share, our, share the faith um, with people, that, that it's not a promise that everything will go swimmingly forever. Right. It's not. And it's a so, promise of salvation with him. Yeah. And that he's with us through he, the hard stuff. He's so, with us. Absolutely. He will walk with us. Yeah. He's sovereign over the hard That's stuff. That's right. He's, he knows um, it. He's got a plan. We have those promises, but not the promise of it's going to be easy. But sometimes <laughs> I need to talk to a pastor or a friend or a counselor or a mentor and be honest about the struggles that I'm having. Yeah. And, but if we've been led to believe and we have to portray that everything's together, it's hard to do that. It's Absolutely. hard to be honest. So, yes, I think there are varying degrees of loneliness. Yeah. Some, some, some loneliness is transitory. 
comes and goes. Right. It's situational. Situational. Yeah. Yes. And, and we all deal with that. Yes. There's a kind of loneliness. Some lonely, loneliness is more chronic, though. Mm. And I think that can lend itself towards the very real thing that we call depression, mm -hmm. anxiety. As Christians, I really believe this, and I see it every day. I see it in my own life. I see it with the people I work with. Sometimes we struggle with things like depression sure. and, and, and loneliness. Mm -hmm. So it's very real. And yeah. if you live in loneliness for a long time, sometimes there's a chicken and the egg thing. If you live in loneliness for a long time, it's very likely that you'll experience a kind of depression mm -hmm. and anxiety. So, yeah, mm -hmm. I think it is variable. It's yeah. complex. There are mm -hmm. lots of factors involved. Yeah. Absolutely. What are some things that if someone's saying, okay, I'm lonely, they're listening to this and they're saying, I'm lonely. Am I lonely where I need to seek help? Yeah. Am I lonely where I'm at a point where I need someone else to speak into this? Yeah. What are some of those things that somebody could say, okay, let me look at my life right now, different factors that they might see? Yeah. I, as I said, I think everybody experiences loneliness to sure. some degree. When loneliness is disruptive to our mm. lives, when we're experiencing things like discouragement, sadness, that could even lead to kind of despair. Mm -hmm. And we're living in that for a while. And, and we're not popping out of that. Yeah. Um, when we're struggling, I think that's the time to go to a good friend. Mm -hmm. Doesn't always have to be a professional sure. counselor. Um, or even go to a doctor. You know, one of the things I, yeah. I, I read about and, and looked at in terms of loneliness is it has all kinds of effects on us, mm -hmm. physiological effects yeah. on us. People who are lonely report much higher degrees of high blood pressure, all kinds of things, yeah. heart disease. Yeah. I read one study that said chronic loneliness is like, it's, it's the same as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Wow. That's the kind of destruction it can do Due in to, our lives. Just to your body. Just wow. to our bodies. And then you add to that the kind of relationship loneliness, breakdown in a marriage, yeah. you know, where, where, you know, there's a... There's something called the delay effect in marriage. Some of the researchers have shown that most mm -hmm. marriages that ultimately come to counseling have waited about six years too long. Probably. You know, because we we deny, yep. we minimize. Yep. And so when those kinds of- And you have good of, days every once in a while. Yeah, absolutely. So you go, well, look, we're okay. Yeah, so when those breakdowns continue to happen, it's not just transitory where we all experience a kind right. of sadness. Maybe there's grief in our life that's very legitimate, very mm -hmm. real. When they start to get debilitating, when they start yeah. to affect our lives, and we're not bouncing back, I think that's the time to go to a friend yeah. or a pastor or actually call a counselor yep. and say, hey, I, I need to visit. That's I need right. to figure some stuff out. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really good. One of the statistics I thought was super interesting that you shared was you, you said, earlier that around 19 is kind of that peak yeah. age. Um, but one of the things you said, older adults, 65 plus, reported feeling the least lonely. Isn't that interesting? I thought that was so I wonder very why interesting. That that, yeah, I, that, that, that's what the research shows, that yeah. people who are uh, older, 65 plus, they report the least amount of loneliness. That's I'm not exactly sure what that means. Maybe at that point they're like, I'm sharing my stuff, like my walls are down. It There's not be. the in inhibition to be honest with each other. They've done enough life, maybe. I yeah, don't it could know. Be. It, it could be. Here's a theory, hypothesis. I don't know whether that relates to our culture that's saturated with the internet and yeah. social media, where where older folks are, they, they know how to do relationships 
better Face than our young that's people. That's very true. You know, I wonder if that's very part true. of it. I, I do think with our younger folks, and look, I think the internet and social media can be a good thing. Sure. I mean, in, in a way, it in a way, it's like a gun. A gun is a really wonderful instrument tool, but it really has to be managed. That's right. It's dangerous left unmanaged. Absolutely. And I think in some ways that's kind of like social media and the Internet. I find so many young people don't know how to do relationships. It's they don't true. understand or they are fearful of emotional intimacy. Mm -hmm. I, I, I kind of liken it to, I think it's a little funny, but as I understand it, a lot of young people these days, they don't even know how to write or read cursive. Yeah. It's like they've lost that skill. Mm -hmm. they don't, and, and I wonder exactly. if in some ways they've, we all have to some degree, but they particularly have lost the skill mm -hmm. of emotional intimacy. Yeah. They, they don't understand it. Right. You know, what's also sad is that maybe they're in families where that's not modeled. Uh, sure. You know, and yep. so it's not all their fault, maybe. No. Everybody's sitting in their own room. Yeah. In their own, you know, in their homes, but all in their own rooms, not building just that natural, the family unit, natural relationships that should be helping to show them how to do it outside of just the family. It could be And everybody's just in their rooms. Yeah. Well, I know even I was joking with my girls the other day. I was like, y'all, when I was in high school and junior high and growing up, if somebody wanted to call me. They had to call the phone in the house, yeah. and they didn't know who was going to answer. That's exactly right. You did. I mean, it could have been your mom, your dad, your older brother, your baby brother. Who, and they, kids don't have to do that now. And even that little bit that you think, well, that's a silly thing. No, but now if you look at him and go, hey, why don't you call him? I'm just going to text him. That's a kind of relationship breakdown. Yes. I was I was talking yes. to a young person the other day too who was saying, I don't like to talk on the phone. Yes. They don't even like to talk on a cell phone. No. You know, They're, everything's listen, be if text. you can text me, don't call me. <laughs> That's yeah, I'm a hundred percent. And so again, that may sound like not such a big deal, but I wonder if that's part of the, what we're seeing here, part yeah. of the, the breakdown, part of the implication where we've lost the ability to connect with people mm -hmm. in, 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 in better ways. Yeah. And so it's going to be interesting to see the 19 year olds now when they're 60, Yeah, because maybe the older it is, the older folks, it's not because it's because they had to do relationships face to face, yeah. sitting on the front porch, walking over to their friend's house. That's what they did. And so they're just still really good at it. And so, it, it, you know, we, we have joked often, probably all of us have, about going to dinner with your spouse or your kids and sitting in that restaurant and watching the couple at the table next to you who aren't even talking to yeah. each other. They're on their on screens. Their mm -hmm. Both of them. Yep. And that might be in a living room. But sure. But it may be in a restaurant. Absolutely. You go on a date night with your spouse yep. and you spend your time looking at the phones. Phone. There's something that affects, I think, us as humans, as people who are designed for relationships mm -hmm. that's breaking down, you know, sometimes when I'm working with couples, just trying to get them to find time in their lives to develop some rituals to actually have a forum to talk. Right. We're too busy. Or we're, you know, we've got all kinds of electronics and screens yeah. going on mm -hmm. and, and good things again, yeah. but there's a breakdown in actual yeah. relationships. Well, and there so, is a safety net to me texting you what I'm thinking versus me saying it to your face. Yeah. There is a safety net there. And I think we get very used to this is the safe way for me to communicate to you. 
Yeah. Instead of the vulnerability it takes to actually talk to somebody. Yeah, absolutely. Another thing I see in, in all of us to some degree, but young people particularly who are very much tied to social media these days is is what I, I've called Facebook depression. Mm. If all you see, if your reality of the world around you largely is generated by your impressions, your interactions on something like Facebook mm -hmm. or other kinds of social right. media, it's not real. Right. And so most of it is based around comparison, which just... Uh, uh, just generates a sense of I'm not good enough. Absolutely. There's there's a breakdown of, again, this ability to connect with real people in real time about real things mm -hmm. in a deeper, more meaningful way. Everything stays very superficial. Yeah. And it's false to a large degree anyway. We only sure. show our best on Facebook. Yep. yep. You know, it's not real life. Right. And yet if you're a person who is very much tied to social media and that's your view of reality, it can be very distorting. Absolutely. Which again generates this sense of loneliness. There's mm -hmm. something wrong with me. I'm right. not like other people, but it's not true. And that was the whole that that is one of the biggest reasons that I said I want to do this and have it come out the day after Valentine's Day because there are people that on Valentine's Day loneliest day fall into depression because they're looking at social media and going, look at all these other people that have X, Y, and Z, and I don't. Even if they have a person, instead of going, I'm going to love on this person well, they go, well, we didn't do this and this and this. Yeah. Or we can't do it this way. And so, I, that, I mean, that's a huge reason. I was like, let's have this conversation right after a super difficult day. Yeah. Even for people that have good, are in relationships. Yeah. It still can end up being a very lonely time. Absolutely. I, I think that's, this is perfect timing for this. You know, within the church, we rightly emphasize marriage and there's not typically as much divorce going on, which is a wonderful thing. I spend my life trying to keep couples together yeah. and thriving, but... You can stay married for lots of years and yet be very uh, distant. Absolutely. Uh, very separated. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's what we're trying. And lonely and because lonely. of that. Yeah. So, yeah, trying to Absolutely. trying to encourage people and yeah. teach people how to develop that kind of emotional intimacy, which is kind of the antidote to, yeah. to this thing we're calling loneliness. Right. So. Yeah. So I think hopefully you've heard us say, Everyone deals with loneliness. It is okay to feel lonely. Um, you need to recognize it, right? Our feelings are good yeah. because they help us gauge where we're at, but they shouldn't be the thing driving us. Yeah. They shouldn't be the, you know, the steer of where we're going, but we need to see them. So now I want us to go, okay, people that are watching or listening and going, I'm lonely or my child, I can tell they're lonely yeah. or my friend tells me they're lonely all the time. What are tools? What are things we can do? To help someone out of that, help ourselves out of that, or at least start even a baby step? Yeah, really good question. And one of the things that I, I just jotted down here are just some ideas about antidotes to loneliness. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that a little yeah. bit. Um, there's different kinds of loneliness, obviously. There's a kind of spiritual loneliness. So let me just start there, yeah. you know, with, with the idea of, and this sounds trivial and cliche-ish, but there's real profound truth to it. So many of us, when I'm lonely, when I'm struggling, I find myself distancing from God. Mm. And so I'm hurting, I'm upset, I'm frustrated, mm -hmm. I'm discouraged. And so that, that 
that again sounds clicheish, but it's so true. It's true. To to draw near to the Lord during those darker, discouraging seasons of life. That 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 has to be said. I think that has to be emphasized. One of the things I find great comfort in as I've looked through different, even Psalms, uh, for instance, um, and looking at the various Psalm writers who, who are honest about their loneliness, Yes, you know, there's, there's a bunch of Psalms that talk about that. So drawing near to God, mm-hmm. speaking out to God, mm-hmm. praying to God, calling upon God is, is a good place to start, obviously. And I, I love I'm, that. again, yeah. I, that sounds cliche-ish again, but I, it's, it's profound. It's and it's true. truth. It's yes. truth. Absolutely. Yeah. To it's be honest truth. with God, to ask for him to minister to us yes. in ways that that, that nobody else yeah. can. And here's the awesome thing is he can handle it. Absolutely. Right? He can handle us coming to him and going, I'm super lonely and I don't know how to what I'm supposed to do. Absolutely. He wants us to. Yeah. One of the things that we've talked about is, and again, it, it, I, I'm, I'm, I'm wary of this because, again, I don't want to make this sound simplistic, but one of the reasons that we encourage people to, to go to church even is to, even though you can be in that big room and feel mm-hmm. all alone, it is a good way to not only connect and worship God in a very meaningful way, but it's a way to be around in a healthy way, community. Mm-hmm. God has made us for community. It is part of the Christian life. It's part of our emotional well-being. So putting us in an environment where we're worshiping, mm-hmm. we're singing, a lot of people who do get lonely are the people who, and, and chronically lonely, they'll disappear from church. Yeah. Maybe for all kinds of reasons, maybe it's hard to be honest and open sure. about that. And so there's shame. And so I just disappear. Mm-hmm. On the contrary, I would say fight that, yeah. you know, get get actually more connected right. to God in all those kinds of ways. So come worship. Those kinds of things are so crucial. Yeah. We've talked about this, Betsy, and, and you've been a big part of this over the years, getting involved in a smaller kind of a forum yes. in the midst of the big place, of the big church. You know, yep. we, we talk about yep. much of your ministry has been about getting people connected where you can explore and experience mm-hmm. on a more intimate level right. relationships. So a small group, a mm-hmm. connect group, mm-hmm. a support group, a Bible study. Yep. Here's another thing. What happens? I notice and myself and other people when we're lonely, when we're depressed, when we're discouraged, we go passive. And so the challenge to all of us is to fight through that, yep. to be honest about it. I, I don't, I don't want to minimize or no. deny it, but to, to actually fight against the, the tendency, the inertia to go passive yep. and actually try to get more engaged, try to pursue, initiate relationships That's right. when we're hurting, uh, frustrated, discouraged. Again, we go passive and we, we wait for other people to initiate and, yeah. and we can do that. So getting involved in those kinds of ways. Yep. Practicing hospitality, you know, we we've that's a, I guess maybe even a gift. I think that isn't mm-hmm. as emphasized as much mm-hmm. as it used to be anymore. People used to invite relationships and connection yes. and people over, yeah. and there's more. Go to lunch, you know, and get involved. I don't know if we yeah. do that quite as much as yeah. as we used to do. Again, I think it's gone from the front porch to the backyard and the garage door closed, and you know we have that part of it. And I think there is that a huge part is think about somebody else. Yeah. Take take your thoughts off of you and think about somebody else. What 
make cookies for somebody else, make a card for somebody else, take somebody else dinner. I mean, just those little things is going to start that process, I think. I think you're right. There's a balance. We can we can emphasize and our own uh, normalizing our struggle and our hurt and our loneliness. And there's a place for that, to yes. be honest about that. But, but you're right. We can be consumed by that mm-hmm. and get obsessed by that. Mm-hmm. And so the challenge I think God has for us is to focus on other people yeah. some, too. Yeah. You know, it breaks us out of that self uh, kind of obsessing focus mm-hmm. on our own pain. Yeah. And so if we can do that, that's very helpful. Have a friend. Pursue friendships. Yes. When we're lonely, sometimes we, we disband. We isolate. Mm-hmm. And so— encourage people to get involved and and talk to somebody find a friend find a coach talk to a minister call the counseling center and say i need to talk to a counselor this i want to make some changes it's it's very it's very good to do yeah when you walk into a connect group or a bible study or a support group first of all we get it's just even the walking in is a deal and we get that but like you said push through that sign up walk up walk in show up and then when you get there tell somebody hey i need you to text me or call me Hmm. the day before this and say hey are you coming I want to see you there. I say, and then you say, and you give, and I'll do the same for you. Yeah. You start building that accountability. Yes. Is that vulnerable to say to somebody? Absolutely. Do you have to know them for two years before you can say that to them? No. That's part of being willing to try to build those relationships. And I think so often we walk into the room and think I'm the only one that needs yeah. that. But everybody else in the room is like, if you walk up and say, hey, I don't know about you, but it's a deal that I'm here. Yeah. And so can we like hold each other accountable to showing up? Most people are going to be like, thank you. I prayed that somebody would reach out to me. And so we so think it's it's only us and nobody else feels that way. I'm the only one here who's yes. insecure or who's lonely. Doesn't have any friends. <laughs> you assume everybody else knows everybody else and they're doing the thing, you know, that's... Again, that's a form of isolation when we start telling ourselves those lies and they keep us in this lonely state. Yes, absolutely. And the fact of the matter is most of the people in that room are probably having a similar struggle. Yes, absolutely. And it's the beauty of social media and texting. I don't want to be a Luddite who who basically says, oh, that's bad. It's not. Those are are good tools. tools. Those are good avenues to connect with people and and take initiative and break out of that passivity. So those are are cool things. And I would think, I think, For y'all to realize, I know in this weird way, in the position I'm in, people look at me and go, one, she's got it all together. No, I don't. Two, she's got all these friends. I'm like, no, I don't. Yeah. And and it's like, I want to say that to break down those walls of, I talk to people and say, hello, and how are you? And they have a name tag on, cool. You know, all that kind of stuff. But listen, I'm not the girl that has 50,000 people calling to check on me all the time. Yeah. I have to be purposeful to have relationships, vulnerable, real relationships with people. And I think you would probably say the same thing. Absolutely. Staff in general, we are not these people that are like, just because I know somebody on a Sunday morning to say hello to them 
doesn't mean that I have these deep relationships with all these people. We have to be purposeful as it didn't, it doesn't just happen. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm so, I so appreciate you even saying that because people yeah. would, I think would look at Betsy, yes. you do this, you do all kinds of things. And I fight it so hard but to be able to say, <laughs> I fight it, it's I'm not just real. like everybody else. Yes. You know? Yeah. So I appreciate we you have saying to, that. Absolutely. Because, and I think in, we always say, oh, women really struggle with this. Men struggle with it too. I think men can hide behind it a little bit more, hmm. but and also, you said, I think this is, I've heard this a ton. Women have a lot more words yeah. that there's, that we use during the day yeah. than men do, which again, I think is a breakdown sometimes in a marriage when you get home and the man's like, I did my words. That's right. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> so how are you having conversations with your spouse? And so again, figure that out. Talk about that. Have those conversations. But there is this thing about everybody's walking around and they all have best friends and I'm the only one that doesn't. Yeah. It's such a lie. Not. It's not true. It's such a yeah. lie. Yeah. So those are some things to deal with this that. kind of uh, brand of spiritual loneliness that, that are, I hope, very helpful within a relationship. That's really key is to uh, acknowledge, e- evaluate what's the level within our, even a marriage or a mm-hmm. friendship, the level of emotional intimacy. Yeah. How, where are we in that? Yep. Some of us are better at that than others. Yeah. And so, you know, I encourage couples to, like you said, literally talk more. Yes. You know, that it's a, it's in some ways a lost art. And, and you mentioned the, the, the statistics about which which I think are so interesting. Stereotypically, it's true, obviously, that it's not always true. Right. But most most men don't typically talk as much as as their wives. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it's flip flop. But, sure. but uh, to actually encourage people to engage in more conversation, but at a deeper level, you know, there are levels yes. of conversation. You know, you can we can within a relationship, you can talk at a very superficial level, yep. the kind of, again, that kind of cliche church level where it's just very, yep. very top, top drawer of top level kinds of things within emotional intimacy. Mm-hmm. It's much better to talk at a deeper level. Mm-hmm. What are you thinking? What right. are you feeling? What are your dreams? That's hard for a lot of couples. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of, it's hard for a lot of married couples to even do good eye contact. It's, it's, sure. it's, it's kind of a lost art. Yes. You know? So there's this disconnect yep. uh, with, with a lot of people. Yeah. I, I encourage couples that I work with every day to, to carve out time together as much as they can develop rituals. You know, one of the, the rituals I think is, is really kind of a cool thing to, to build the sense of emotional intimacy is actually a non-sexual kind of touching that some of us do better than others, right. you know, You're supposed and, to and hug with, every day with, within a hug. marriage, obviously, but you know, one of the, I'm not good at this. I'm not, I don't want to, this, uh, I'm, this isn't necessarily the best thing I do, but one of the things that my wife and I have tried to do with our adult kids, mm-hmm. when they come over, we've made it a ritual. It was a little awkward at first because I, I I'm, uh, this kind of, uh, Affection is not mm-hmm. normal for me in my background, but we've we've practiced hugging our adult kids when they come over. Yeah. Now it seems like such a simple thing, but it's it's been something good for me. It builds a kind of connection uh, a, on a deeper level. Mm-hmm. You know, actually, it's fascinating sure. to me. There's actually even a, a neurological, biological phenomenon that happens when we touch people in a healthy way: mm-hmm. hug, touch, mm-hmm. non-sexual touch, all those right. kinds of things. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a release of a chemical in the brain called oxytocin. Yeah, it is the bonding neurochemical, and so. When we do that, 
you know, and, and again, in a very appropriate way, mm-hmm. something even neurologically is happening. Yeah. There's a deeper level of connection. So in some distressed relationships, friendships, marriages, there is this breakdown or isolation even within touching and, 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 and absolutely. This, and, in this healthy kind of way. Yep. So yeah, and having those conversations because I know in my house, my girls, I have a few that they will lay their head on my shoulder. They want to hug even though they're older. Like they love to hug. And then I have a couple that are like, you, "We're going to pray together." Here's my finger. You can uh, you can hold my finger while we pray. Mm, Not cool. you know. And you just have to kind of learn. Okay, where's everybody's balances? And then at the same time, this sweet my one of my sweeties, it's like hold my finger. I'm like, but I am gonna hug you. Yeah. Because you it's it's important for you. It you cool. know, it's a deal. And so, but again, it's having those conversations. Yeah. It's explaining as they get older, this is why we need to do this. I want you to be able to have a good, healthy relationship with your people. Let's have those conversations. Yeah. So, Excellent. Yeah. One of the things I try to teach with couples, again, is some just practical yeah. ideas yeah. about developing emotional intimacy within a relationship, particularly a marriage, uh, is to do what one writer talks about, bids for connection. Those those don't have to be complicated. Mm-hmm. People who study marriages and and marriages that do really well, the masters of marriage, mm-hmm. actually, they have all the kinds of distresses and arguments and conflicts as, as anybody else. But one thing they do well, they have a sense of fondness and admiration for each other mm-hmm. that's expressed through these what are called bids for connection. Mm-hmm. Bids for connection, which means taking initiative, making a comment, making a smile, mm-hmm. making an eye uh, exchange that's that's a bid for a connection. And when those bids are made, couples that are doing well, that have a level of emotional intimacy, there are lots of these bids going on, hundreds of them, very subtle ways. Mm-hmm. They don't have to be big things, mm-hmm. little things, but the couples who are the, are the masters of this kind of a thing, they do lots of bidding. And when bids are made to a connection, join with me, talk with me, relate to me, look at me, mm-hmm. Uh, people who do well in those, they receive those. They respond well to those. And you can you can receive a bid. You can reject a bid. Mm-hmm. And so we w- things like this are, yeah. are ways to develop a sense of emotional connection within a relationship, yeah. particularly a marriage. Yeah. I think it's so important. I think sometimes probably those bids, sometimes uh, if they're coming often, we don't take we take them for granted. Yeah. And then when they're not there, you're like, wait a second. What happened to the thing? And they're like, well, you never acknowledged it. I'm like, oh, I will start acknowledging that, please. You know, I mean, even this morning, honest, honest, I was walking out and Donald goes, you look really pretty today. That's a bid. Yeah. And I went, okay. And, and And literally driving in here, I was like, I need to go back and tell him that that means a ton to me. And that is kind to me. And I appreciate that. But that's, you do kind of get in the habit of, okay, yeah, that's yeah. That's perfect. <laughs> and so go. in some distressed marriages, yeah. well, in distressed marriages, there is one or both parties who've quit making bids. Right. They're not making them anymore. Not doing it. Uh, or if one is and the other party consistently is is rejecting the bid or not responding to right. the bid or kind of ignoring the bid, you know what always will happen? The party who's been making the bids, they'll quit. Eventually they stop. And then when both quit, yeah. mm-hmm. marriages that may stay together, mm-hmm. may stay away from a divorce court, may look good on a Sunday, mm-hmm. but they're not close. 
Because yeah. nobody's making any bids anymore. Yeah. And so there's this isolation, this distance. There's a breakdown of connection, certainly a breakdown of emotional right. intimacy. Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah. Okay, well, I could talk about this forever because I still have like 10 other things. I'm like, we can talk about this and we can talk about this. But I don't want us to go on forever. But I will say, y'all, this is such an important thing. Obviously, just the fact that we talked for this long about it and there's still a ton more we could talk about. Take time to really look at your relationships and why you feel lonely or is your spouse feeling lonely and you're ignoring it or kind of going, you're not lonely. You're right here with me. Like have those conversations, be open to that, be aware of it around you and then do something about yeah. it. We might all feel lonely, but we don't have to be lonely. Yeah. We might feel that way, but God didn't design us to be lonely. Yeah. And so do something about it. Call the counseling center. Call me. Call the church. Find some, find a friend that you haven't reached out to in a long time and go, hey, we haven't hung out in a while. Can we just spend time yeah. together? Open up the scripture. Psalm, great place to go and find people that were crying out to the Lord going, where are you? What's happening? I feel lonely. And he hears them. So do those kinds of things. And then if you still feel stuck, please reach out to us. Yeah, like, please, please, please reach out to us. We don't want you, especially here at Sagemont. We love everybody. But man, I don't want our people walking in and out of Sagemont feeling alone. And we are so fortunate that this church over many years now have has committed to providing the kinds of resources through a counseling center. Again, yes. I, I just a commercial for that. Absolutely. But, but it's a resource most churches don't have. Yep. Our church cares about our people and and is honest about the fact that we, we want people to be open when they struggle. We've That's got right. some resources for that. Absolutely. So yeah. Take advantage of that. Take advantage of those. Mike, thank you so much. You're welcome, Betsy. We will do this again. If you have a topic that you are like, I would love to hear <laughs> Mike's view on this, please send those to me. Um, well, I'm planning on having Mike back because these are so good for us to talk about. So I appreciate you sharing your wisdom Thanks and being willing me. to do it. Y'all, have a good weekend. Come to church on Sunday, and we will see you next time on Table Talk. Table Talk.